0: Coming up on the WAC podcast, Rachel V. Hill is in the bubble in Orlando. We'll find out what life is like living in a bubble. Also, we'll talk with Sarah Fowle, the director of sports medicine at Seattle University. She's also the co-chair of the WAC Medical Advisory Committee. We'll find out uh, what they're doing in terms of trying to get ready for the fall sports season, as there could be some major decisions made about that in the upcoming week. And we'll also talk with Zach Parag, Rachel V. Hill, sat down with him before her trip to Orlando. He's a former California Baptist basketball player and currently interning for us in the WAC office. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. And swings and he crushes it. Left center field.
1: Warning track. Wall. goodbye.
2: Today's episode
0: of the WAC podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now here's your host, Eric Danner. Welcome to the WAC Podcast brought to you by Hercules Tires. Eric Danner in Colorado Springs and Rachel V. Hill is in the bubble in Orlando. Rachel, how are things in the bubble? We've seen so many stories, more about probably the NBA guys than, than the MLS, but MLS has started back up. Colorado Rapids played on Sunday night. What is life like in the bubble?
1: Life in the bubble is extremely interesting to <laughs> say the least. <laughs> uh, I don't really leave my room much besides going to training and team meals. We, uh, The team as a whole has just really decided to make this a business trip and uh, try our best to stay healthy. There's obviously still cases going around our hotel. So, like, being healthy is the number one priority. The players here are. You know, they're here to play soccer. That's their main goal. So for them to feel comfortable around all of us, we've all made the decision as well to stay in our rooms when we're not doing anything with the team. So it's been unique. I know there's been a lot of things going around about food down here in the bubble. The food is fine for everybody (laughs) who is wondering. And it's probably better than what I would be making at home. So I'll take it.
0: Nice. Now, we talked to you last week. We record the show on Mondays. The trip had been delayed. Uh, you were going to be traveling that day. You wound up traveling to Orlando that day. What was that trip like? And then did you have to sequester in your room for a couple of days? How was that working?
1: We flew charter down here, which if you've never taken a charter flight, uh, I don't know if I would ever want to go back to just a commercial <laughs> flight. Uh, it was so nice. We like sat down at our, uh, like in our seats and there were like goodie bags with food Whoa. there for us. And I was like, this is incredible, right? It's like
0: first class. <laughs> uh,
1: it pretty much is. It was so nice, and they like come around, and instead of giving you like the little thing of Coke or like Sprite if you ask for it, they give you the whole can, Eric. It's incredible. You know, I
0: gotta, I gotta tell you, Rach. Back in the old days, that's what they used to do. We used to get the whole can. <sighs> they cheaped out on me. They did, and a bag oh, of peanuts. Maybe
1: now with COVID, they'll start giving the whole can <laughs> so they don't share.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah.
1: Uh, so we got into the hotel, and then we immediately went into testing got tested again and then we immediately got sent up to our rooms and we were in here for about 15 hours we were kind of lucky because we slept for a majority of it but i think we finally got let out of quarantine once they got all negative results around like 2 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh and then since then we've just been in the hotel i think i've gone outside like maybe four times since we've been here so not very many one because it's so hot in the afternoon here it's just like unbelievable but uh like as a team we've decided not to use the pools or anything until all the cases are kind of are gone from the hotel i guess
0: yeah and i did see a couple of games were canceled uh or postponed because uh, there was a couple of positive test results uh in the bubble for some other teams in the mls
1: yeah so uh like dc united game which actually ended up getting played today their game got canceled or postponed from yesterday because they had a positive test result. So I'm assuming it came back negative, which is why they ended up playing again. So if there are any positive tests, then they immediately retest everybody to see if it's actually the case. Um, so I'm assuming it came back negative. Obviously, I'm not like part of their staff, so I don't know for sure. Right. But I think that's how that ended up working out.
0: And and it also, if they're inconclusive, I guess, is another thing that could happen where Uh, They're not sure if they tested positive or negative and then have to hold those particular people out. Is that what they're doing?
1: Yeah. So I know for like the DC United, it was an inconclusive test. So because of that, they just like immediately retested, which is why I'm assuming it was like, okay. Cause I think if it would have came back positive because the player would have been training with the team, I think they would have postponed it until a later day. Um, just to not have like any any chances right of it spreading, uh, so I'm assuming it came back negative, but I haven't heard clarification on that. And then I know Sporting KC did have a player test positive three days prior to the match, but I think that was in like the time frame that it was still okay for them to play. I'm not exactly sure how it all works, I'm really just worried about the rapids and making sure none of our players right. uh, get sick, but I think that's how it's working
0: now. Initially, you weren't exactly sure what you were going to be doing in the bubble. You knew you were going to be doing a lot, but what weren't exactly sure. And watching what you were doing last week, Rachel, they had you doing a podcast, they had you doing an Instagram takeover, they had you doing packages for Altitude, uh, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, starting with the, the podcast, which uh, I was excited about, since we started this podcast, you also have your own podcast. What is that like? Uh, even though you're in the you're in the bubble, but you don't get to Uh, share a room you know you're you're not in the same room as your your co-host
1: honestly eric i have loved doing podcasts and i have found a really great love for radio too right which is something that i had never really like dove into so i've been doing radio hits here for altitude as well and i just really enjoy like there's i don't want to say there's not as much pressure but it's not as like what's the word i'm looking for like i think it's more
0: natural it's not scripted
1: Yeah, exactly. And you can just have fun with it. And you can crack jokes, you know, on TV, maybe you can't crack as many jokes, but uh, I've really enjoyed it drew Moore is my guest or my co host for the podcast. So Drew's an awesome individual. He's so funny, so nice. So because of social distancing, we are still doing it in our separate rooms, which it's kind of a bummer because I would, you know, there's a little bit more of a connection if you're sitting next to somebody and you can feed off of their energy. Mm-hmm. However, Drew makes it so easy to just be able to hop on Zoom and still have a or have a conversation and have fun with it. So well, I've been really lucky that he's been great about the
0: podcast. No, that that was uh, that was really good. I watched that and then uh, the Instagram takeover going in the hotel, and then also be, being able to do some stories for Altitude.
1: Yeah, so I've had an opportunity to do a bunch of packages here for Altitude, just kind of about the hotel and the experience of being in the bubble. And now hopefully we can get into more soccer-related stories um, for the next coming weeks. And I've also been doing live shots for them for their sports social show and um, for their like preview uh, shows for the matches as well. And then, yeah, Instagram takeovers for the Rapids too, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been interesting to see like different shots and like different ways you can create content uh, when you have somebody else there with you, right? So like there's really a team of three of us down here. So it's unique to see like what ideas we can come up with.
0: No, that's awesome. And then the Rapids played Sunday night, lost uh, to, they're, they're calling them RSL. I thought their name was Real Salt Lake, but maybe they've got a undergone a branding change, but uh, they lose 2 nothing. Uh, and watch the game on, on ESPN, which is great exposure for the MLS to get these this many games on ESPN on the main channel there. Um, as, as I was watching it, some of the same things that when we have games or matches in soccer, you know, the camera angles, a little tough uh, there at uh, Wide World of Sports, uh, similar to some some stadiums we have where it's, it's tough to get that uh, right underneath. Because the soccer field is so big, especially you know, it's wider than a than a football field, so it was interesting to watch some of that, Rachel. But are you allowed in the stadium during the matches, or do they try to keep as many people who are not directly involved with playing the game uh, out of the stadium?
1: So I am because I am a tier one employee. Mm-hmm. So because I've traveled down here with the team and I have been around them constantly, we all have like different colored. Yep, and tested. I have different colored lanyards, so we are allowed in there. Uh, We were sitting on bleachers that were all seated, like, six feet apart from each other. So there was, like, designated spots in which you could sit. So it was like watching it from, like, maybe a high school game. Like, there's a small set of bleachers, and you just kind of sit down and uh, get to watch the game. Our videographer and photographer, they were able to move around just like you normally would if you were shooting a match, which was great. Uh, But there was probably... I want to say like eight of us mm-hmm. um, on our bleacher set. So, probably in the uh, or around the field total, there's probably like 25 people that weren't coaching staff or players, I would say. So, not a lot. I mean, it's definitely like very small um, in capacity, to, you know, the amount of people that are usually at a match. Uh, and I think ESPN has a few people here too, but again, it's just like, Compared to what we're used to when we go to any sporting event, right? Like there's nobody around. You're not right. even allowed to watch other teams as they play. Um Minnesota and Sporting KC were playing the match previous or like before ours, and we weren't allowed to watch theirs. Like we couldn't be around
0: the field. Oh. And I know the broadcasters uh are in I believe in Bristol. They're they're not in Orlando doing the game.
1: Yeah. Uh I actually haven't heard that, which is that's crazy. If that's the case, yeah, they, it's um, it's that
0: Remy setup where they they're in a studio, uh, you know, watching the game, oh. and so they're not directly in in the stadium. That's that's what I believe they were they were doing there. So it's uh, you know in this age of social distancing, we'll probably see more of that, I would imagine. And uh, the atmosphere. I know they they use the the uh, field mics, uh, which you can hear a lot of you know chatter between the players and that kind of thing. Uh, my my, I don't know if you know the answer to this, Rach. What happens when there's a cuss word? I know there's usually a seven-second delay. I didn't notice any uh, watching the Rapids game on Sunday night. Um, maybe they didn't cuss, but uh, it just seems like, uh, you know, that, that would be an issue, you know, when you're able to hear the players so clearly. Uh, you know, we're used to that, I think, watching live sports, but now that there's no fans to kind of drown out some of the exact language there, I didn't know if there was some sort of system in place if they uh, – if they did the uh, dump button all the time or if they had that on maybe on a separate audio track than the announcers
1: i am not sure on that although i can tell you there was definitely some curse words that were dropped last (laughs) night so they had to have bleeped them out (laughs) um yeah honestly so i think one of the most interesting things that i found is i expected to hear from the bench right But the amount that the bench was involved in the game and talking to players on the pitch and talking to the refs and everything else, like, I think that's what surprised me the most is I was expecting to hear, like, some talk, but I was, like, surprised by the amount that I did hear from the bench. And then, of course, from the players out on the pitch, like, you're expecting to hear everything. And uh, you can see, like, some of the friendships that are there between different teams and everything else. But... Yeah, there's definitely a lot of talk, more than I think uh, normal people realize.
0: <laughs> and I noticed they they put up some, like, fan boards, it looks like, some, like, video boards where you could see, see yes. like, fans now. Are those, is that just recorded, or is that live, or...
1: So it is live. So for the Rapids, they're doing this second screen experience. So where you can be watching the game on ESPN and then you have like your iPad open or your laptop open and you're able to hop in these Zoom rooms with uh, other fans. And Hmm. so the MLS is pulling those feeds and showing them up on the board.
0: Yeah, no, because you can't really see it during the game because of the camera angles. But you could tell Mm -hmm. there are fans on the board. So, yeah, I thought that was that was an interesting idea we're talking uh rachel v hill and eric danner here on the WAC podcast rachel being in orlando with the colorado rapids now uh was looking for some WAC players rach during the uh, festivities here i haven't seen a whole lot i know a couple teams that that might have had some uh didn't make it to orlando because of positive covid testing did see the seattle sanders had uh, alex Roldan from seattle u on their roster didn't get a chance to play in their first match but uh San Jose, I know, had some guys in their system, didn't see them either. So, didn't know if you had run into any other uh, whack players while you're down there.
1: I have not. We, again, are really social distancing, so we really right. haven't seen that many players. Uh, I think there's, from what I've seen, I think I've seen four other teams in our hotel So not a great amount. Uh, And then, so if you've never been to the Swan and Dolphin, it's like two hotels, right? So we're in the Dolphin side of it. And then there's like this long walkway that takes you outside and then there's the Swan hotel. So I know Seattle is in the Swan hotel, which is probably why I haven't seen any of the Sounders players. Um, I believe Atlanta United is also over there and Toronto. And then I think there's maybe Houston's also over there. So Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anybody that used to play in the WAC, unfortunately, and I know I was hoping to do some content with them here, right. but the team's got to just stay apart from each other. That's how they're locking down on all these cases. Yeah,
0: I bet. I bet. And now are you able, now do you walk to the stadium? How close is it to the hotel? Or do they, how do they do buses? Or how do they transport the teams over there?
1: So there are buses. We all have like our own buses. So the players have a bus and then the staff members also have a bus that we take over and it's like team specific. So we have our buses that no one else is allowed to get on. And it's about a 10 15 minute drive from the hotel over to the UCN complex. So it's definitely not close. Like you couldn't walk to it by any means. Um, I mean, I guess you could, but it'll take you an hour and no one wants to walk outside in the humidity for an hour. Yeah. So um, it's, yeah, I would say about a 10 minute, 10, 15 minute drive.
0: Now watching the game Sunday night, even though 1030 Eastern start time, Rach, still looked pretty warm out because the players just sweat just dripping off them. You could tell their their jerseys were soaked. Was it pretty hot out there?
1: it is so there's like a slight breeze which is why i'm not mad about the 10 30 p.m start time because <laughs> there's like a slight breeze at that time of the night and it's not like miserably hot like the humidity is bad i'm not gonna say it's easy by any means but i'm so glad i'm not the one running around in it that's for sure uh because it's like 88 percent humidity mm-hmm. i think last night it was like 84 degrees outside and it was like 85 or 88% humidity, which make, makes it above 90 degrees, right? So running around for over an hour in that, I'm sure it's just brutal for the players.
0: I can only imagine. Uh This is going to be a big week, I think, for college athletics. We're seeing a lot of decisions made about uh, when fall sports are going to be starting. Uh Last week, we saw the Ivy League uh, canceled their fall sports or uh, at least postpone them. Uh, we saw the Big Ten Pac-12 uh, saying that they're going to go conference only in their fall sports as well. And we would expect, I think, Rachel, we'll probably have some sort of, uh, I know we have President's ADs are going to be meeting this week. So hopefully uh, at that time, we'll have some sort of decisions made about what fall sports in the WAC are going to be looking like uh, coming forward here.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. A lot of people have actually been asking me about that here in Orlando since they know I still work with the WAC. So it's a huge topic, right? As soon as the Ivy League canceled their fall sports, it was like, okay, now what's going to happen? And uh, PAC 12 commissioner, uh, Larry Scott, I believe is his name. I mean, he tested positive for COVID-19. So like that's affecting somebody already in the system, which I think adds a whole nother layer to it, right? So What will actually happen is I'm not sure. And for, I think, the bigger schools, a lot of people are assuming that they'll just have football. And then for, like, the smaller conferences, what do you do, right? Or for looking ahead to the basketball season, like, do you start after January 1st? Or, like, how is it all going to look? I don't think sports are going to be normal at all this year. I, I think all the way till summer of next year, I don't think sports will be normal.
0: Well, and I think the key is, I mean, if there's a vaccine, that's the only thing that can really potentially get things normal. But again, how long will it take to manufacture this vaccine? You know, who who gets it first, you know, all those good things that that once that happens, knock on wood, that it does happen, because I know they're doing some testing. I saw here in Colorado, they're looking for volunteers for a vaccine too. So I don't know exactly how that works. Doesn't I'm not uh, lining up to to be tested for that, but uh, that they're to that stage where it seems like they they have something that could potentially work. So hopefully sooner rather than later, but uh, we'll talk with uh, Sarah Fowle from Seattle U in our next segment. She's a director of sports medicine, is uh, co-chair of the WAC uh, council that they put together uh, to determine uh, some medical issues. So uh, she'll be an interesting person to talk to about this issue um, and how they will move forward in college athletics, which is going to be a little different from what you're doing there in uh, in the bubble, Rachel, because there's no you can't really do a bubble in college sports.
1: No, and that you know that's what I think makes it so hard is you can't do some sort of bubble. You can't ask all of those athletes to come out to Orlando for their entire season, right? Like right. that's just not possible. Even when well, I think too about many teams, the NBA, too many players, right? Yeah, and like their main priority is to be students. Every like university I feel like says like their main priority is to be students and then athletes because getting an education is so important. So I don't think you can ask them all to like come down to a bubble and sit in their hotel rooms for four months, which that's one of the things that's crazy to me is we've been here for a week now down here in Orlando and the possibility of six weeks. And the NBA is asking players to be there for three months Potentially, Which just right, like right yeah that blows my mind like that's such a long time like when you in the grand scheme of things it's not really that long a time but when you're actually in the bubble that's a really really long time
0: like and, and I
1: that, that just blows my mind
0: and I saw Rachel where some of the NBA guys I, I don't know if this is available for the MLS folks but uh, they're out golfing uh, they're fishing uh, Paul George former WAC uh, player uh, it, it was uh, fishing I guess there's some big lakes or ponds there in in Orlando that they have available for the players. And uh, J.J. Redick was out golfing with the New Orleans Pelicans. So I I don't know if that's a a different, you know, uh, world with the NBA there. I mean, you guys are all in the bubble, but I guess maybe in a couple of different bubbles when you look at it that way.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think uh, some of the NBA teams, like one of them staying at the Yacht Club down here, which I think is like, that's where. Right on the water. yeah and i can't remember who it was that was fishing oh ben simmons yeah he was out there fishing and then i don't know if you missed him missing the fish or like oh he tried to throw the fish back back and
0: it hit the the side of the thing
1: (laughs) yeah the comments on that if you have a chance to read it eric they're (laughs) priceless anyways so i think that they can walk straight out of their hotel and go fishing and such and Uh, I know, I believe NBA is getting tested every single day. We're getting tested every other day down Mm -hmm. here. So I don't know if that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable or just the different personalities too. I mean, you saw some of the NBA players got sent massive TVs to be down there for uh, three months and it's just different, but the same, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Their their Um, tax
0: bracket's a little different some of the nba guys
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) just again i think they're making themselves at home where they're going to be down there for a fourth of a year almost right so i think they're just trying to make themselves at home and not be miserable the entire time they're down here compared to us where it's like it's the max is six weeks we're going to be down here so we might as well just get the business done and uh, go home to the family and friends a nice and healthy, which I'm not saying like NBA players won't be doing that, but I just think the time difference makes it a little bit harder.
0: Right. Now this week uh, we'll have uh, Tarleton State featured on Whack Top Play. So uh, excited to see the Texans fans uh, show up and vote for some of their best plays this uh, this past year. Spring Academic Awards came out this past week, Rachel. We had uh, over 600 student athletes honored and i think for the year we wound up with over 1600 uh counting the fall and winter sports season so really good i love it yeah for the whack
1: absolutely that's great to see i I love those numbers let's keep them going
0: and we should have the stan bates awards out this week and that's uh that's more the scholar athlete award Uh, of course we had the uh, joe kearney awards go out a week or two ago uh stan bates uh factors in Uh, all kinds of things, uh, but more academically based. And uh, we should have those awards out this week as well. So we're kind of finishing those up uh, from the 2019-20 season. And then uh, Abby Small, Rachel, who played at Kansas City. Obviously, Kansas City no longer a member of the WAC, but she played all four of her years in the WAC for uh, Chris Sissel, who's now the coach at Grand Canyon University. She uh, was able to sign a professional contract in women's soccer. So congratulations to Abby Small.
1: Yeah, congratulations to her. That's awesome. Uh, I know those moves probably can't be easy, but to step outside of your comfort zone and to follow your dreams, it's incredible and an inspiration to women all over and young girls too.
0: And that she's going to be playing for, uh, I believe it's pronounced Dynamo Minsk in Belarus. So uh, as I understand that in Europe, uh, Rachel, their, their COVID is not, uh, not nearly as bad. Remember it was... It was bad before the United States, but it's really tailed off. And I know Germany, some other countries, the the schools are back open, kids are back in school, all that kind of stuff. So apparently it's not as bad in uh, Europe in that area as, as it is in the United States currently.
1: And I know a couple places have started to allow fans back into right? their sporting events too. So interesting to see how that will play out. I think us Americans um... –
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we're, we're we're i mean we have we have a lot of land we have a lot of different places you know a lot of a lot of different climates so i mean who who knows how exact what you know why exactly it's still as bad as it is in the united states i mean obviously you know masks are, are supposed to help but there, there could be who, who knows what kind of factors they're in and why it's spiking i mean florida where you're at now rachel initially didn't didn't get as bad cases for as populated an area as that is and now it's uh seems to be soaring whereas you know like new york they said there were no deaths on sunday the first time since this has happened that no deaths in the state related to covet so obviously seems to be uh, tailing off in, in the areas that were hard hit uh, maybe a month or two ago
1: oh i had not heard that about new york that's great to hear i know because like arizona right when this first started for everybody else they had like no cases and i know their numbers yeah they were talking about an
0: arizona bubble for baseball uh Mm -hmm. we we talked about that a little bit and then yeah all of a sudden it got really bad down there so uh we will talk some more about what's going to be happening in sports in our next segment we're going to have to talk to sarah fowl from seattle university you're listening to the whack podcast we would like to thank our partners hercules tires ticket smarter and adidas Now, back to the WAC podcast. Welcome back to the WAC podcast, Eric Danner and Rachel V. Hill, now along with Sarah Fowle, the director of sports medicine at Seattle University. Sarah, first off, welcome to the show. And I wanted to see what things are like in Seattle. Obviously, when COVID hit back in March, it hit Seattle. It seems like in the United States before many other places, although there's been some reports that it may have been elsewhere in the United States at that point. What is Seattle like now in terms of, of the COVID uh, pandemic? It, it seems like it, it's maybe not as bad as some other places now.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. It's quite sure. an honor. Um, and I I got to admit, I uh, this is my first day back in Seattle in four months wow. and a week I know right so um, I'll try to answer your question I mean I've been paying attention pretty closely just tracking everything and the phases and um, <clears throat> driving in everyone was masked that I saw <laughs> that's mm-hmm. my eyewitness report um, but it seems as though as a city we have a bunch of, you know, we have UW here and we actually had some of the first cases. So that reactionary catalyst, I think, plus the resources that we have and the excellent medical coverage that we have here, um, I think has propelled us to just get, I I hesitate to say smarter, but smarter than the rest of the nation, you know, (laughs) I think we're doing it right. And we we unfortunately aren't seeing a ton of decrease in cases, but we're not spiking. So we're holding steady. And um, we're on pause right now, but hoping to progress to phase three pretty soon. It's, it's hard to watch the rest of the nation, though. So we're hoping that they can take um, some cues from what we're doing up here in Seattle.
1: What about death numbers? I mean, I feel like that's kind of been like it's like two cases right there's like the actual number of cases and then the amount of deaths unfortunately how is that number looking compared to the actual number of cases yeah i think that rate is actually rising across the
2: nation and again i'm not you know i'm not a doctor not an epidemiologist but it's just watching the news it's uh it's kind of scary right and and realizing that the we just don't know a ton about this virus we're learning exponentially more every day, but there's so much we still don't know about the different strains and how it's morphing. We do know certain things about a virus, right, is that it gets a little bit uh, less fatal as it goes, which kind of goes against what we're seeing. So it's been interesting. Uh, I will say it's been really interesting to hear, kind of be in on these meetings with a bunch of doctors and uh, hear their different perspectives and and just know that we're all having grace on each other through this and nobody has the answer. So going off of the best science and research and background information that, that we have at the time, which is still, you know, coming at us like a fire hose. um,
0: Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you mentioned that you're just uh, getting back to Seattle now. Uh, Mm -hmm. We we talk to different people from different schools around the WAC each week. Uh, It seems like some schools have some student athletes back on campus doing some workouts, those type of things at Seattle U. Do you have student athletes back on campus yet? And if you do, what kind of precautions are being taken?
2: Yeah, you know we do. We've been watching the rest of the country like hawks, um, like red hawks. So. <laughs> um, no, we've been watching the rest of the country, and we, because we have been in. What was considered a hotspot for a while, we have delayed having students come back. Um, just recently, uh, literally a couple of days ago, I've had a couple men's basketball players returners that were local in Seattle that had their did their stay at home for a couple of days, got PCR tested, were negative, are doing their wellness symptom surveys every day, are doing their uh, temperature checks every day, and they're allowed to go in and shoot and that is all we're doing right now is shooting. They can go in once they have clearance medically and uh, through scheduling with um, facilities, they can put their phone and their keys in a Ziploc bag. They wash their hands. They only have a specific number of things they can touch. You know, they don't have access to the locker rooms, but they can go in and shoot and they're really grateful. And I'm, I'm grateful for that attitude that they've brought and like, they know we're, we're working hard to get them what we can and what we feel is reasonable and safe for them right now. And we have a bunch more coming back this week. Men's basketball we'll start out with. So we'll do physicals on them and start them with some cohorted five person workouts next week. And then we'll get the next team women's basketball and then we'll get Hopefully some soccer teams back here mm-hmm. soon. So our, our um, approach is to go one by one and just know that we're going to have to make some adjustments. And so far, the coaches and the, the athletes have been so incredibly flexible in that and grateful. So it's been good so far.
1: What does the testing schedule look like for these athletes? And we're down here in the bubble in Orlando, or I'm down here down in um, mm-hmm. the bubble. And it's every other day, but I know MBA is testing every day. So for college athletes, what will that look like once there's more of them on campus? Yeah, that would be ideal.
2: And that's and the, the answer to that, I, I just have to make a disclaimer. It might change by the time we get off this call, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, um, Seattle U is requiring negative PCR tests before you enter the building as a student athlete or what we're calling a tier one um coach or staff, basically anyone that has direct interaction with the student athletes. So they, everyone has to have a negative PCR test. And we're lucky here in in Washington to have the state covering a lot of um, testing. So it's all free through drive throughs It's not convenient, but it's free. Um, so we're doing it that way. And going forward, actually, as a WAC, we have decided that three weeks will be the minimum for what's called surveillance testing. And there's still some circulation of thought on what that entails. Are we doing PCR tests? That's right now the gold standard, which is that nasal swab that that tickles, quote unquote, your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it really not tickle, but um, some other options are antigen testing, which tests for, instead of genetic material, it tests for a protein. And that's actually a blood test. Another option is a saliva test. Um, the antibody test—I just want to make clear—is probably not going to be an option. There's no real use for that, other than it's really interesting from a research perspective. Um, so going forward, as we recommend testing, we're going to try to all stick to the same, same cadence and same standards. That—that's what we're finalizing this week, and that—that's what we recommend would be wise. Um, but as far as the actual tests, we're not—we're not letting we're not making anything final <laughs> because there's just so much still coming out on this.
0: Hey, Rachel, uh, let me ask ask you a question since mm-hmm. since Sarah just uh, brought it up about the testing. Uh, she mentioned the the tickle of the brain test. Uh, Rachel, yes. you said you're getting several kinds of, of tests there in Orlando. Is that still the case?
1: Yeah. So we've gotten two different kinds. So prior to when we left, we did have to do an antibody test. So we did have to get blood and then They were testing us. And so there's one that goes to, like, the bridge of your nose. Mm -hmm.
3: And then there's the
1: one that, like, fully goes back that we've gotten. So they do, like, it's every six days we're down here, we get, like, the really invasive one. And then the other days they're just going straight into the bridge of our nose, which it's just not as bad, right? Like, I was talking to some players and they said that if they would have had to do the invasive one every single day, they don't know how, like, if they would have gone further with yeah. it because it can be so brutal. Um, and the less invasive one is just, it does tickle. It gives you like a little bit of a sensational burn, but it's for like five seconds, right? And then they pull it out and you're fine. So it, it's really interesting. Uh, just, you know, when you hear about it, you think of the only the invasive one, but like the non-invasive one isn't as bad. Right. Oh,
0: that's good to know. Now, Sarah, you're the the co-chair of the WAC Medical Advisory Committee. How often are you meeting now and and what exactly are are the major concerns that you're talking about right now?
2: Yeah, that's been super interesting guys. So, like I said, just listening to these doctors um, with, with, you know, all their latest information and the population that we're dealing with. um, It's been really interesting. We're meeting weekly. We decided that was the cadence to stick with through probably July as things are moving fast and then we'll go down to um, biweekly. And Let's see. It <laughs> it's it's been quite a ride. It seems like we probably should have been meeting every day, <laughs> but you know, it's respecting people's time. And also, there's some merit to giving it a few days and seeing. You know, if if this is if we throw this against the wall, is this going to stick, or are we going to have some facts change under us or opinions change in the next couple of days? So, digesting it for a week and then coming back and reconvening about the same things as as what we've been doing and we've landed on um a document with a bunch of recommendations for the WAC and we're in the process of um, presenting those recommendations to ADs and then the presidents and so we should we should uh we should have some information to release this week or I guess the president's will on that um but yeah it's been it's been interesting we've talked a lot about the different testing protocols, which one is the best and which one we're able to realistically implement at this level. You know, we're not the MBA, MLS. And uh, so just finding those standards that we're okay with has been interesting. Also, all, all the schools, I mean, our conference is, you guys know, apples and oranges. So mm-hmm. knowing our different resources, even if they don't align perfectly, just having knowledge of what we're capable of doing when a team's on the road and somebody develops symptoms. What's our plan here? Where do we quarantine? Do we have a dorm? Do we have a hotel? Just sorting that out um, because it's our job basically to mitigate risk. And there's, (laughs) so, so knowing all those resources has been really good and probably honestly something we should have been doing a long time ago, but what, you know, silver lining of this whole situation is, that the networking and the communication that it's facilitated. Um, What else have we talked about? Quarantine, just general recommendations, isolation protocols, testing. Um, I could go down the list, but yeah, it's, it has been a comprehensive um, um, committee that's been, been the recommendations are. I'm pretty proud of us, pretty thorough for what it is.
1: Looking at the professional sports, obviously, MLS, NBA, uh, both in the bubble, Major League Baseball, going to be at home mm-hmm. stadiums. What are you looking at from those professional sports to maybe, you know, take to the college level?
2: Well, I think it's I think it's a vastly different ballgame, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that um, the resources are vastly different. And not only that, the levels of motivation are very different. The um, they don't have classes you know they don't have that opportunity to interact with the general population if they if they can they are able to prevent that you're able to bubble you know we can't do that at the collegiate level um almost to any extent so that's been just a whole different factor that that takes us that just puts us on another level not to mention the travel I know MLB is doing a little bit of travel but you know, college sports, that's a staple. So uh, as far as implementing what the pro teams are doing, I think we can take a good look and see, you know, their standards and see how we can adapt them. But but really, I mean, we're talking about two different ball games. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough question.
0: <laughs> talking with Sarah Fowle, the director of sports medicine at Seattle University. Sarah, we saw... Uh, Ivy League decided to uh postpone or cancel their fall sports. Big Ten mm-hmm. Pac twelve came out last week, said they're gonna go conference only. Do you uh do you have communication with those other conferences? I know our commissioner, uh there's there's a commissioners group that they all, you know, meet uh, once or twice a week. Is there anything like that, that that you're involved with? Or as you mentioned, I mean, UW's dubs right there in Seattle where you have communication with some other schools, some other conferences, or uh, also trying to figure out what to do with this uh, uh, pandemic. Yeah,
2: Eric, like I mentioned, it's been a great, uh, you know, silver linings, great opportunity to network with a lot of different athletic trainers and and um, medical staff. And, you know, everybody's super open about, Hey, we're just trying to figure out the best way to do things. So yeah, I've had a lot of communication with Rob at UW and some of their doctors, um, even the smaller schools around us that are looking for guidance and and just getting creative, getting getting out of the box. We've had a lot of those conversations where we're like, okay, we've never been through anything remotely similar to this. Our jobs have been to again mitigate risk and we know there's inherent risk with sport, right like there's there's the broken legs and the concussions, and we're really good at making plans for those worst case scenarios, but the difference is <laughs> one of the differences is concussions aren't contagious, you know that adds an element that we've never encountered before mm-hmm. um, i mean flu flu season, yes, but nothing like this, you know you guys, this is on a whole new level so. A lot of communication with um, other other athletic trainers and that's been great but again it's tough to compare specific institutions and I think we all would say we wish there were some higher recommendations and guidance from the NCAA. Hopefully they'll come out with some more soon but what we've gotten so far applies to general population, you know, from CDC and government and that's great, but we're such a specific anomaly population um, that it's we've relied on each other a lot. But again, some some higher guidance would be great in this area. And yeah, we'll, we'll just keep communicating. I think that's the key to it is just seamless communication throughout the medical community.
1: Since this lockdown has happened, Sarah, how has your role really changed?
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. where do I start (laughs) I mean like I said I have been outside of Seattle for over four months I actually left here um with a suitcase packed for five days in Vegas for the tournament Mm -hmm. and that's what I have been living out of (laughs) so my Uh. uniform (laughs) has been some yoga pants and a hoodie for you know four months but um as far as you know the first couple couple weeks were pretty crazy we're trying to orchestrate Athletes getting home, you know, all the way home to Denmark and Lithuania and all all over the world and um, We didn't think nobody knew this could last this long, right? So I think that I just pivoted into What I usually do is just plan plan for the worst over prepare and go with the flow so we we Basketball was interesting because we were almost at the end of season, right? So it wasn't as disruptive as the baseball and softball and spring sports. Um, So we we had to pivot a little bit there, but it wasn't as mentally um, kind of unearthing as some of those other sports athletes had to endure. So I really, my heart goes out to them for sure, those coaches and athletes. Um, But my role has pivoted into Zooming all day. And meeting with all kinds of different people, and um, <laughs> just trying to organize this and steer us clear of of the icebergs and less less um, patient care. Like my staff and I were joking about what it's going to feel like to actually put our hands on a human again. It's mm-hmm. going to be so bizarre, but but we've really been able to zoom out and think big picture and try to not be over positive, you know, we're realistic about this scenario, but there are some silver linings that I keep mentioning that are coming out of this. And we're leaning into, um, I mean, at, at CLU and I would say most schools in our conference, we're really big on mental health and we're really big on caring for the whole person. So the, this past couple of months has given us that opportunity to kind of, um, shift the focus from, the orthopedic injuries which aren't occurring as much obviously into you know our check-ins are more like how are you doing with your family i know your mom was struggling like what what's going on with that how are you doing with your friend interactions what are classes like now that they're virtual so it's been a i would say kind of a cool unique transition as a clinician um the virtual stuff isn't our favorites. you you guys know too it's like just a different level of energy that you have to keep putting out every day to look at a screen. Um, But I think we've pivoted pretty well.
0: Sarah, Rachel and I were talking in the last segment about, you know, what will fall sports look like? What will sports look like, you know, in a year? And, you know, the, the thinking is, well, until the vaccine is found, we're, we're not going to really see quote unquote getting back to normal uh, Mm -hmm. until then. I know here in Colorado, they're looking for volunteers, for a vaccine to uh, be uh, tests for for a vaccine mm-hmm. so at least there's you know seems to be some movement there that you know they're getting to the point where they want to test it um, what you know just say we find a vaccine in a year sports are still going to look different and probably life is going to look different I would guess Sarah that it's kind of like after 9-11 happened we have to take off our shoes going to uh, go going on an airplane and go through a right. body, body scan never had to do that before there's going to be, I would think, masks, probably maybe, you know, washing hands, those things, which are probably things we probably maybe should have been doing already, uh, but those are going to be the norm in sports and in life, probably from here on out, would you say?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think, um, I will say, you know, we do masks whenever anyone is coughing, we would, we'd still mask up, but that stigma is going to be a little different, yeah, and I think that my hope would be we, as a, not just athletics, but as a world, as humans, we're just thinking about each other more. We're, we're conscious and cognizant that our decisions uh, impact drastically the rest of the world. And not just, um, not just in terms of health, but you know, that's my world. So yeah, I think, I think going forward, we're going to see some differences. We're going to see hygiene become more of a priority. Um, and I, I just really hope that it impacts our mindset to the point that we're more conscientious of how our actions impact the world.
0: All right, Sarah. Hey, I know you have to, uh, you have to run here. I want to thank you for taking some time out to talk to us. We had a uh, some other topics we wanted to get to, but we'll have to have you on another time, uh, Sarah. I love it. Yeah. And, uh it. And want to thank you for your work on the uh, WAC Medical Advisory Committee because I know that's. That's been a lot and, and all, yes. all all that you've done uh, with the conference and with your school. And uh, we'll hopefully see you before too long.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping so. Hey, it was great talking. I'd love to be on again sometime. This is an honor.
0: All right. That Thanks is, so much, Sarah. That is Sarah Fow, the Director of Sports Medicine at Seattle University. When we come back, we're going to have Rachel's conversation with Zach Parag, a former California Baptist basketball player who's also interning interning for us in the WAC and she had shot that interview before she left for Orlando. You're listening to the WAC podcast. Today's episode of the WAC podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now back to the WAC podcast. Welcome back to the WAC podcast. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Eric Danner with you and Rachel Hill had a chance to visit with Zach Parag, former California Baptist big man. He's also interning for us in the WAC office, and here's how her conversation went with Zach Parag.
1: Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. I'm Rachel B. Hill alongside former CBU center Zach Farag. He's now our intern here in the WAC office. Zach, how yes, are you? I'm
3: doing good. How are you now?
1: Good. Yeah. You know, obviously basketball season didn't end the way mm-hmm. I'm sure you were expecting. Yeah, no, so definitely how did you find out kind of that everything was going a little bit downhill due to COVID?
3: Well, because we finished, well, our last trip was we went to Texas Rio Grande and we kind of started to hear all the stuff in the news then about it. And... Um, Basically, we kind of heard the news, we were trying to hope, and like, we saw that the, they canceled the CBI pretty quickly, and we were hoping that we would get a CIT bid. Um, that's what kind of like everyone was hoping for, and then eventually we just saw it all going downhill even worse, and then they decided to cancel that and then sent everyone home, and it all happened very quickly within like a week or two, so it was, it was very unexpected.
1: So you're obviously from the Denver area. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to end up at CBU? I know that you went to a previous school before mm-hmm. you landed in Riverside. Nebraska, Omaha, yes. So yeah. what made you decide to go to CBU?
3: Uh, so out of high school, I always kind of wanted to go to school in California, but for the, my year, 2015, there was not very many offers out there. So I ended up, I was kind of wanted to stay close to home, so I went to Nebraska, Omaha, and then transferred there after that, and then I decided I wanted to go to California and I was able to get in touch with Coach Croy through a connection there and went out on a visit. That again happened very quickly and went on a visit like within a week of talking to the coaches and loved it and committed there. Loved it.
1: What about Riverside is so exciting? What's maybe something most people wouldn't know?
3: I think Riverside, people don't understand how big it is, like in the community there. I think people, um, like obviously I had no idea what Riverside was when I first went out there and there's a huge community base there. Like we, they love CBU. There, there's two colleges there: UC Riverside and CBU. And I definitely would say that CBU's above them, and like the community respects. And we would have tons of fans at our games, and lots of lots of love there. So,
1: you know, after coming from Denver, where we get snow, we've got a, pretty mm-hmm. much a fall, every kind of season. Being mm-hmm. in California for a full year, yeah. what was that like? No seasons.
3: I loved it. I mean, the summers are super hot there, like unbearably hot. But it was it was still it was still great to not have to deal with the snow and like. Going outside and being 72 in December and, like, March is fantastic and be able to go to the beach and stuff. Um, I'm a big beach person, so I love going to the beach, and that was that was a great thing to do.
1: So do you think you'll leave Colorado again?
3: If California wasn't so expensive, <laughs> possibly. We'll see.
1: No, I definitely feel that. I would yeah. love to go live where some, there's a beach somewhere, yeah. but... If there's a beach, the prices yeah. are usually sky high. And I feel like Colorado's already yeah. a little rough. Yeah. Uh, that transfer process, though, I know mm-hmm. can be a little grueling. So it is, yeah. How did you mentally deal with that? Because I feel like a lot of athletes nowadays are going to be going through that mm-hmm. with COVID and Absolutely. universities.
3: Uh, basically, it's just it's like reopening your recruitment. So it's like going back to, like, senior, junior high school, talking to coaches. Uh, but, like, so once you get, like, your transfer papers in, that's when you can start talking to coaches and uh, – I was reaching out to coaches, coaches were reaching out to me, and I, I think it's just staying organized is the most important thing, being able to keep in touch with coaches that are calling you, like make sure you don't burn any bridges with any coaches, and text everyone back, and I think that's the main thing is being organized and staying up to date with all your stuff.
1: A lot of people have compared it to dating, like speed dating. Yeah. No, so would you have totally
3: agree? 100%. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's crazy, because especially when transfer, it's really quick, because you Obviously, transfer at the end of your season, you don't have a whole, that whole year, you only have that summer and a little bit of spring um, to be able to talk to coaches before you find your next place. So, it's um, it's definitely it happens quick, and you gotta, gotta be on it for sure.
1: The student athlete life, I feel like everybody finds extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. So, for you, after living it, you know, what are some of the main takeaways that you had?
3: Uh, main takeaway I mean, co- coming back into like, is this the regimented lifestyle? I think being a student athlete, everything's like regimented, like you. And like coming out of that, being in like the real world, you, don't, you have to create that for yourself. You don't have the coaches and you don't have that, um, the scheduling with school and stuff like that to be able to have that regimented lifestyle. So you have to do it for yourself, which is, it's, it takes, it's like a learning process. You have to do that yourself, and, but it's fun. Um, I loved being a student athlete and that, it taught me that regimented lifestyle and I think I'm going to be able to use that for the rest of my life.
1: Okay, now you make it to Denver. You have an internship mm-hmm. here with the WAC. What mm-hmm. made you want to come work with us here in this office?
3: So my master's degree is in sports management, and um, I was I needed some field experience hours to be able to um, graduate. And I saw I remembered that the WAC uh, offices were here in Denver, so I was that'd be perfect if I could just get in there, and I did, and it's working great so far what do you think love it love it it's great <laughs>
1: <laughs> who's been your favorite person to hang out with here in favorite the office favorite person
3: i gotta say hope yeah i gotta say <laughs> i feel hope. like most people yeah, would probably
1: say I Hope. love
3: too. hope she's she's helped me out a lot so it's been great
1: nice yeah. and what's next for you do you have any idea
3: uh right now trying to find a regular job i mean I'm, I'm still somewhat debating on if i want to go play overseas or not uh still it's in the works kind of but um other than that trying to focus on like what i want to do career-wise my bachelor's is in criminal justice, so I'm focusing on applying to jobs there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's right now it's kind of tough to be 23 and looking for a job.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the dream job, though?
3: Dream job, I want to work in the federal government somewhere in, with one of the different agencies just because there's a lot of good perks if you work in the government. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah.
1: Is there anything specific that you would, like, absolutely love to do?
3: Um, my my goal is to work in the FBI or something like that okay. that's been my goal throughout college to be able to work through that and being able to talk to people there is being able to figure out how how to get in there because it's kind of it's very competitive, so very. which I'm used to, so which is it'll be good.
1: There you go. Mm-hmm. See another perk of basketball is helping. Exactly. You with, right? yeah, yeah. Well, it's going and playing overseas with the possibility. I know mm-hmm. your former roommate Dejon Davis, yeah. forward for CBU, he's mm-hmm. decided to go play in Turkey. Absolutely. Have you had a chance to talk to him? I
3: did. Yeah. He's super excited, and we're all very proud of him. And I know he's pumped, and that, that was his dream. He always talked about it. he wanted to play professional basketball. So he, I know, he's living it out and. He's loving it, so I'm when very does proud of him. he leave? He will end up probably leaving in August or September, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. And it, well, with COVID, it's all kind of, who knows, but that's, that's this, like, rough date.
1: I was yeah. going to say, does he really have any idea what his season could look like?
3: He, not sure. No one knows. I mean, yeah. uh, I have other buddies that are playing overseas. They, they, it's kind of just all up in the air, and so I guess we'll, we'll see how ride it out. So we'll see.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, Zach, I appreciate it. I don't think I have any more questions for you. We obviously love having you here in the office. So uh, thank you for hopping on with me.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you.
1: All right. That'll do it for this week's WAC podcast. Make sure you check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, all of the major platforms for uh, podcasts. And with that being said, I'm Rachel
0: Vigil. Thank you, Rachel. We also want to thank our guest today. We had Zach Farag just now in that segment. And we also talked to Sarah Fowle, the director of sports medicine at Seattle University. And we want to thank you for listening to the WAC podcast.
2: Thanks for listening to the WAC podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.